BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Friend of a Friend podcast. It's your host, Olivia Perez. Today, I'm joined by 24-year-old Adina Kamkachi, the founder of Adina's Jewels. At just 20 years old, Adina and her brother Meyer used $1,000 of their savings to start their own business. What once was making jewelry at their parents' kitchen table now has become a multi-million dollar jewelry company just five years later. The sibling duo now have a product line with over 1,500 SKUs, a store in Brooklyn, a nationwide partnership with Nordstrom, and a cult following of fans of celebrities like Ariana Grande, Billie Eilish, Haley Baldwin, and more. In this episode, Adina talks me through what it's like starting a business in college, how to build a million-dollar company from just $1,000, and what she sees next for the jewelry industry. Here's my friend, Adina Kinkachi. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Happy Monday. I am so excited to be here with Adina Kamkachi of Adina's Jewels. Hey, guys. She is one of my favorite people ever. We met a couple years ago, and I've been wearing her jewelry for years. I've been such a big fan of hers, and she's like one person that I've been extremely looking forward to having on here because your story is so amazing, and you really are like that person that I'm like, damn, she's killing it, basically fulfilling your dreams for being so young. So it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course. It's my pleasure. When did you first get into jewelry? So I really always loved jewelry from when I was a kid. I mean, obviously jewelry shines. And so that's something that like always caught my attention. And I guess because I was like overweight as a kid, clothes didn't really make me feel confident in myself. And so jewelry was something that I felt was a way for me to express who I was without expressing it through my attire. So like I felt like when I put on jewelry, I changed my whole look and I changed who I was and how people would perceive me when they first met me, you know? And so I always liked to make my own jewelry. If I bought jewelry and it would break, I would fix it by myself. Like I was very like that. And I just loved, you know, using my hands and like touching the jewelry and changing it up and, you know, adding my own style to it, adding charms, taking off charms and just like my parents used to say, like, what are you doing? You just bought the necklace. You don't have to do all this stuff. And I just loved, you know, putting my own touch to the jewelry because I couldn't actually make it myself or like have it produced myself. I was so young. But then as I started getting older, I really realized that there wasn't a real marketplace that I was looking like the type of jewelry that I wanted, I couldn't find. It was either unaffordable, like really, really expensive, or it was really, really cheap. And it would just like last one or two wears that it wasn't worth it for me to like even invest in it. Like there weren't good investable pieces that I could just get and then wear for at least a season or something. 
And that was when I decided I really wanted to do jewelry. My parents are both business people. So like I breathe business. I literally, that's all I know. So I was like, I feel like if I make my own designs, I can sell this in my community, right? That's how I thought. I was like, I could sell this to my neighbors. I could sell this to my friends. I could sell it in school. And so when I was young, that's really what I started doing. And I, it wasn't always jewelry, but like I was always selling something. I would go to school with like an extra three bags of chips and I would sell them, you know? No way. Yeah. Like I loved it. And it's just like my mom would give me like samples from her office and she'd be like, here, you could like have this. And I would literally sell it. And like, it was the funnest thing. And I mean, I'm so passionate about jewelry. What would be better than selling jewelry and making jewelry? And so when I was in college, I think I was in my second semester, I decided to open up my own company and I named it Adina's Jewels. I did not think for a second that this is where I would end up. I thought that this was something I was going to do as a side job, you know, just as like, okay, 19 years old, I'm starting this little company from my home and, you know, see where it goes. Basically, I was full-time college, part-time Adina's Jewels, and I started making the pieces myself and I started to just text people. And then I was like, how can I really reach people? And I had an Instagram, like with my own name. And I said, you know what? I think a cool way is to open up an Instagram. And at the time, like I can tell you for a fact, five years ago, people were not opening businesses on. No, it was like very much the beginning of Instagram. Yeah, it was very much the beginning. People were just like, you know, posting pictures of themselves, friends, etc. I was like, that's where I'm going to showcase my jewelry. And that's what I did. I remember I opened it up. I opened the Instagram in like August. I was literally sitting by the beach and I was just like, you know what? I'm not going into another semester, not knowing what to do. And like, I had the best schedule. I'm like, I have to do something the other days of the week. That was how it started. So you're a young teenager, you're making jewelry. What was the angle? What was so different about it that you were like, this is not anywhere else. And you're going door to door and selling it. What was the sales pitch? So basically, when I first started making the jewelry myself, I was using different kinds of beads. You know, like you can go and buy like a beaded necklace, but it could be plastic. You don't know what it is. So my biggest thing was to make it really different and like rich, you know, but like at an affordable price. That was what I always looked for, for something that looked amazing, but that wasn't going to break my bank and that would like last. And so I used these glass beads and like special string that wouldn't stretch and like double stranded. And like, so basically it was really well made. I was making it myself. I would stay up till three o'clock in the morning making these chokers with like a little pendant in the middle. So like it was all glass beads and then like a little pearl in the middle or like a little stone in the middle with like, you know, CZ stones or Swarovski stones or et cetera. It's just so funny because when I started to put it on, I was like, one is not enough. Let me put on two. And then you put two on and you're like, let me put three. And that's how I started to market it when I was, you know, Instagramming and showcasing the pieces. And people just loved it. And people were like, I'm not buying one. I want to buy three. I want to buy this exact look. And I was making pieces at night and they were selling in the morning. And like throughout the day, they would be gone. Then I started getting orders that I had to like fulfill. I didn't even have the pieces. So now I was running to the city, buying beads, buying string. And then like as it started getting more complicated, I was like, I need to learn how to really make the jewelry more secure, you know, so that nothing breaks. So I literally went on YouTube and like, learned how to like 
properly put on a clasp without having to solder it. Because, like, I'm doing it at home. I don't have time to, you know, fire metal pieces. Like, I can't do Your that. Your parents also are probably, like, not in the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was literally sitting in the kitchen. I was doing it on the kitchen, like, on one of the kitchen tables. I was like, this is my table. No one can touch it. And, like, I had all my utensils, like, my tools there and, like, all the, you know, class, everything that I needed to make the jewelry. And I just used to sit there. And then, like, as I was doing it, I was like, oh, my God, what if I add this? What if I change this? And that was how I started having so many different pieces. And, like, I wanted to have, like, one piece that, like, people couldn't buy. Like, that was the sample piece. It never worked. Like, I always had the sample piece. And, it's and someone was like, listen, I need it urgently. I have a thing tonight. I need it urgently. I'm like, okay, just take it. No problem. And, like, that's what it was. And it was, it was crazy. But it's the best thing that at ever the, happened. At the time, do you feel like the people you were selling were, like, the people in your community? Yes. They definitely were the people in my community. I think, like, when I first opened my Instagram, like, the majority of my followers— in the beginning, you know, at least for the first year, year and a half, were, you know, fellow community members. So I'm a Syrian Jew. So we're basically a really small, tight-knit community. Everyone knows everyone, kind of. And so when I first started this, I basically relied very much on the fact that these people knew me, they trusted me, and they said, okay, like, we'll bet on you, we'll try it. And then when people really saw that the product spoke for itself, that's when they were like, okay, that's my go-to. And then people started showing me other types of jewelry. They're like, can you make this? Can you make this? And I was just like, okay, I can try. And then, you know, trial and error. And then once I was finally able to learn more and more about jewelry, I started to, you know, expand the line, you know? Yeah. And that was when I like finally had the capital to start, you know, investing differently and, you know, starting to work with factories and stuff like that. And then Obviously, eventually it became too much for me to sit down and do. My mom would help me sometimes, but I mean, even for two people to sit and do, it, was impossible. it was impossible. But it's amazing. I think people really underestimate like the power of the people in their own backyard. Yeah. Like there's so much focus today on like Facebook ads and Instagram ads. And yes, those things are super valuable. Yeah, but like they are, but you were saying earlier, you went like door to door and sold yeah. your product. And I think that that's something that is so underestimated today. Yeah, like I used to literally drive to people's houses like two, three blocks away from me or like even like 10 minutes away from me. But like it was still in my community. I was still going to them. I was going into their homes. Imagine them letting me into their homes with a bag of jewelry, Ziplocs, and they would just pick from it. It was the richest feeling in the world, you know? And of course, we don't know just how much our community can help us. And I always say it to them, especially to like my first customers or some of my best customers from the community. I always tell them like, I really owe it to you guys. You guys really helped me. And then they also gave me the confidence that I needed to take the business to the next step. So I read that your parents, correct me if I'm wrong, your parents gave you $1,000 to start. Or was that your savings? It was my money. Okay. Yes, it was my savings from babysitting, from tutoring. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love was, it. It was literally like all I had. And that was how I started with $1,000. Where did that $1,000 go? What was priority to you in terms of what needed to get done? That $1,000 went straight to products that helped me make the jewelry. So like, again, the beads, the strings, the tools that I needed, all of that. The money was always left in the business. I had 1000 I bought the stuff. I made the pieces. I sold. I went back again, bought more. That's just how it was. There was no time for like anything else on the side. And you haven't taken on investment, right? No. No. It's all self-funded. Yes. I mean, pretty good girl. Yeah. I don't your brother came on early on. Yes. Honestly, always jealous of like a family business. And I think that there is something so special about a family business from the young generation up. Like yeah. the daughter and the of, family yeah. built a business that— 
allowed the entire family to get involved. Like your mom, hearing that your mom helped you make jewelry is so cool. Yeah, so my whole family is involved. When I first started everything and once I started to get more settled in and had like a store and everything, I told— We'll get there, guys. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. <laughs> I told Meyer, my brother, yeah. I was like, I think you're a genius with computers. You know how to do all that stuff. I can't do that. I'm not a computer person. I'm not built for it. I literally begged him. I'm like, Mara, please, like, I need you to do this. I really think that, like, we can— sell this to so many people. And he was like, he was just out of high school. He was 17. Wow. Yeah. So I was 19. He was 17. And then he was like, you know what? I think I might do it, you know? And he opened the website. We started uploading products. We would sit together, upload the products. I would give him all the descriptions. Like he doesn't know what jewelry is. He's like, listen, I'm never going to touch the jewelry. I'm a guy. I don't know that stuff. I can do the computer for you. No problem. I was like, okay. So I would sit down, give him all the descriptions, you know, and like people were really surprised by it. Like, oh, use glass beads. Oh, this is a fresh water pearl. This is a Baroque pearl. Like I wasn't using, you know, like cheap jewelry. Like that was my biggest thing was always to make the pieces last, you know, and that they would be really affordable at the same time. And together we would upload, we would start to sell, we would pick orders, we would pack the orders, we would ship it ourselves. So it was like, just, it was crazy. And then during the day, dealing with customers, you know, phone calls, text messages, my number was on the Instagram. So you were able to call or text me directly. I can't tell you how many people used to call me at midnight. Oh, can I stop by tomorrow? I want to get this. I was like, yeah, no problem. But like, it's 12 o'clock at night. (laughs) But like, I was up, you know, I was always up. We were always up and we were always working. And Together, we built this. And when we needed help packing, you know, we used to tell my dad and my little brother. My little brother was literally like seven years old. I was like, Joe, I need your help to pack these orders. Can you help me? And he's like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then my dad used to help us. And it was the whole family, the whole family. I loved hearing you say earlier that you looked at YouTube videos to understand how to put like a real clasp on the end of a piece of jewelry. Was there any other... Thing that you can remember that you were like, this really helped me understand how to run a business that was like, like, was there a book that you read? Was there a show that you watched? Something in that world. So my parents, like I said before, my parents are both business people. Right. And they, I mean, I can't tell you every night we used to come home and we used to just hear, you know, deals that they were working on or stuff that they were dealing with at work and, you know, all of that. I just felt like business was embedded in me. But yes, of course, there were many you know, shows or books that I read. I mean, and obviously in college, once I started to really see that there was potential for this company to really grow. So I had already like started my major in psychology, but that was when I decided to minor in business. And so I took so many business classes, like as much as I could take. Yeah. Because I was learning so much. And then I would come home and I would be like, Mara, you don't understand. If we do this, this is going to happen. And he's like, okay, we'll try it. And then, you know, and I would be like, you know what, Mara? Instagram is great, but let's try Facebook, you know, like, cause we were learning all these things like marketing and in school and everything. And then Mara went to school and he was in Baruch, you know, in the city. And he was just like, I'm focusing on entrepreneurship, marketing, everything business. And then together, you know, with my just like experience, I had already gained, you know, from the start of the business and then knowing the product inside out, designing the pieces and all of that having my parents there for backup whenever we had a question, whenever we needed help. And then Myers, you know, ingenuity together, we were able to really make something out of it. It's amazing. Yeah. So who was your first hire outside of your family? 
So the first hire was a packer. We were like, we're not going to give up the Instagram. Trust me, people were reaching out. People were like, listen, I can handle your Instagram. I can, you know, take pictures for you. There were no stories at the time. So like, it was just pictures, you know, but we didn't want to let that go. I didn't want to let go of the customer service that I was providing to the customers and all of that. Cause I feel like they felt very, very appreciated when they were dealing with me directly. Yeah, um, it was like, I mean, yeah, like you got to know your customer. Exactly. Exactly. And also they were my like I would bounce ideas off of them because you know what I mean? And like, they're telling me, you know something, I love this, but if it was just a little daintier, you know, it would seal the deal. So like, it was like a back and forth, you know, and it helped me tremendously. And so when the orders started to get out of control, meaning like we could not, two people could not physically be printing the orders, picking the orders, you know, like you have to pick them out of small bins. It's jewelry. It's really, really small. Pack the orders, it was just too much, you know? And so we decided to get a shipper and it happens to be one of my distant cousins. I couldn't <laughs> let just a stranger come into the basement. Totally. No one's home during the day. We're in school. We're this, we're that, you know? So the days that I had off, I would be in the store. I wouldn't even be home, you know? And then it would be like, I would come home and we'd pack orders through the night. So what I did was I had him, you know, packing throughout the whole day, getting all those orders out and then basically when Maya and I would get home, we would, let's say, we just received personalized or we just received new shipments in. So like we had to go find the SKU number, put it in the bin, you know, so like we were doing that at night so that everything was ready for the next morning. And then also pricing, uploading, we were uploading new stuff to the website every single day. You went on the website one day. You came on two days later. It was like a different site. You're like, what did I see two days ago? Where is that? It's like, you know what I mean? And so that was, you know, the best competitive advantage that we had because we were very, very keen on always having new products. You know, when I used to work in the store, people were like, what's new? When they walk in, the first thing they were asking was what's new? And I told that to Mara. I was like, we have to always have new stuff. And that was how I started going to trade shows and I started to meet, you know, factories and meet new people and people to help me design and to draw them out and, you know, the sketches and everything. And that was just how it just went. And we're now we're five years later. You have a yes. store, you have a yes. warehouse. You probably have like over 600, 500 SKUs on your website. 1,500. Oh my God. My number was so <laughs> off. 1,500 SKUs. Over 1,500 SKUs. I love what you were saying earlier about the competitive advantage of having so many SKUs. Because yeah. I feel like today, there's so many companies that are coming out that are like, this is your line of basics or like the perfect ring, perfect necklace, the end. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that competitive advantage? Yeah. So, I mean, what we did was we first, obviously we had all of our exquisite pieces and our unique pieces and all of that. But what I realized after was that we had to perfect the basics. And so- we said, okay, we're going to have basics. We're going to have bold. We're going to have like 14 carat. We're going to have diamonds. We're going to have, you know, sterling silver, gold vermeil, all of that. And so basically when you come onto my site, you can spend $40 or you can spend $5,000. There's so many products in between those two ranges that you could really buy a good amount or like really make a full set out of at a very affordable price. You know, and like today we post and we upload so much that it's like you just bought something and then you want to buy more. How did you get your first press hit so, as a small jewelry brand in New yeah. York? Like there are 
you know, a dime a dozen. It's not necessarily a revolutionary idea. Right. Like, what was the moment that you were like, oh, wow, people are paying attention? Yeah. So we were working with a different PR agency back then. And they told us that they think if we pitched the idea to a couple of, like, news articles and stuff, that they'd be really interested because the story was really amazing. So we pitched to CNN. And then CNN Business reached out and said, we'd love to feature you guys and, you know, set up an interview. So they were really our first press hit. I remember, you know, doing the interview on the phone. And I can just tell you that the person interviewing us was mesmerized. Like, he couldn't understand. He's like, but I don't understand that you're 20 years old and that your brother is 18 years old. Like, I just... I was like, that's, look, you could come here and you could see it ourselves. I could show you my passport if you want. Like, we're kids, you know? Like, we're really kids. And it kicked off, you know? He wrote a beautiful article and it kicked off. And then more and more people started reaching out to us. It was just, like, after that, it was just, like, hit after hit after hit after hit. I love that you pitched yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I was like, I know I have an amazing story and I want people to see that story because when you love something and you're passionate about something— the best thing is to inspire other people to bring out their passions, you know, and to express themselves in their best way, whether it's opening a business or a service or whatever it is, you know, I felt like I wanted to inspire so many young people who thought that starting a business was impossible or that thought that they need to have a rich father to open up a business. But like, I can tell you right now, I had nothing. And I started this from nothing. And I mean, it took time, you know, things don't just happen overnight, but with the perseverance and with just, you know, constantly fighting for what I wanted and for what I knew I deserved, I think that's something that I wanted to tell the world and I wanted people to feel inspired. And I think that when you inspire people, they inspire other people. And then that's just how you can leave your mark on the world. You know, when I was a kid, I always said, I wish we were in a better world. You know, I always used to say, like, I wish people respected and loved each other, not for the way that they looked, but for who they are, you know, for what's in their soul. Because I was overweight and like, I can't even tell you what an overweight child goes through, you know, through school and everything. But I always said, I'm like, I'm such a good person and I'm such a cool person. Like, if you just get to know me, you'll see that I'm actually someone amazing, you know, and I knew that. I always knew that. And I said, that's something no one can ever take away from me, you know? And when I started Adina's Jewels, I said, this is going to be my way to show people who I am. And I just figured that if I could say my story, even if it changes the life of one person, that means I did at least something right in my life. There's so much confidence to what you just said. And being 24 years old, whether you run a business or not, is really scary. And yeah. figuring out what it is that you want to do. If you're doing something, thinking about, is it going to be successful or not down the line? Right. The one thing that's really coming to mind to me that I want to know so badly is how that confidence translated into working at your own company and probably hiring people that are way older than you. Yeah. So, I mean, at first, I hired a lot of people well, my age. First off, how many people do you have working for you now? You know, between the freelancers, between our other agencies, and between people who actually work in the offices and in the warehouse, 25 plus. Okay, now answer the question about how how it works with you being your age and managing 25 plus people. I can't even manage myself. Right. It's a challenge. Obviously, in the beginning, it was very challenging because at first, it was really just me and Meyer. 
And that was it. So we were managing over each other. But then when we started to really hire, you know, people to help us, you know, from customer service to, you know, product control to marketing agencies, et cetera, it was hard that we were younger than them. Definitely. It's very hard to look at someone who's older than you and sort of delegate what you need them to do. Can't imagine. Yeah. Like I'm, I was 20 years old and I'm sitting in my office and I'm just like, oh, so I don't know how to tell this to you. But like, I need you to do this, this, and this, and I need you to do it good. No, yeah. Like, I need you to do it excellent. You perfect. have to be a boss. Yeah. I think ageism in general in the workplace is like rampant. It's something that is obviously there. Definitely. It was definitely really hard at first. And I mean, sometimes it still is. You know, sometimes I really, I want to always make sure that I get my point across the right way. And when people are older than you, or at least when they're, you know, have more experience than you, it's very hard to just be like, I need you to perfect this. This was not done right. Like, when someone makes a mistake— I always tell Mar, I'm like, I don't know, like, should I tell them that they made a mistake? Should I just fix it? And like, I don't want people to feel bad, you know? Right. And so it's very, very hard to sort of learn how to have that relationship with them because also I'm young. And so everyone becomes my friend. And then all of a sudden we're friends and then I have to tell you to do something, but like, I feel uncomfortable. And so I had to kind of learn that boundary and how to have, you know, a proper relationship with my employees and it was challenging, you know, and definitely also, you know, being a woman, being a girl is hard because, you know, we have, you know, both sexes. It's hard sometimes when you are upset, let's say, and if you come out looking like not really a boss, but more of like not nice and it's hard, you know, so sometimes like the harder things I'll tell Mara, I think you should deal with this because coming from a man, they'll understand it differently, you know? And it sucks that it's that it is that way. I was going to say, it's, I it's so really, badly wish that you didn't feel. Yeah. I think that like women, if they come out in the office, if you said what your brother said, someone would probably be like, oh, she's a bitch. Correct. Whereas with your brother, they're like, yes, boss. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, if he says something, it's like, of course, 100%. It makes total sense. But if I say something, they're like, but you know what? I actually have a different idea. I was like, okay, but I told you what I want. I want it this way. Yeah. You know? And, and my so, name's on the door. Right. And, I, and I, it's funny because sometimes I want to tell them that like, it's my name. Like, right. this is my face. If you guys make a mistake on my part, no one's coming after you. They're coming after me, you right. know? And like, I want everything to be perfect for, you know, my customers, for my followers, you know, for our fans. And so when it's not perfect, it's very, very hard. What's the biggest tip or lesson that you've learned from having to deal with that? So I learned that if you sit people down, and talk to them. Like the first thing my parents always taught me was everyone is equal to you. It doesn't matter if they are the CEO of this company or if they're the janitor. You treat everyone with the same level of respect. And that was something that I carried with me all the time. And I still do because it's so important to treat everyone the way they deserve to be treated. And when I sit down with my employees and I tell them, guys, you guys are doing an amazing job. You know, ABC, perfect, but I expect more. I expect you guys to, you know, give it your all. I tell them all the time, I'm like, imagine that it's your company. That's how you should come to work every single day. And I tell them, if you don't love what you're doing, let me know. We could change, you could put you in a different sector or, you know, because I want them to do their best that they can. And I learned that when I sit down with them and that we really talk and I get to hear their concerns and I tell them my concerns, when we express our feelings to each other, it's like after that, everything is like smooth sailing. So I feel like talking it out 
is very, very important and showing them that I'm not just, oh, I'm the boss. Don't talk to me. It's like, you can come to me, give me your opinions, give me your feedback. Tell me what the customers are saying, you know, help me make the company better. And so when I told them, like, don't be scared of me, you know, like you have nothing to be afraid of. Speaking your opinion won't get you fired. You know, that's not how we run our business. And then showing people that I'm loyal to them and that I expect loyalty in return. It was the best thing that I was able to do. And and that's why now, like, I have a special relationship with all of my employees so that they know that when they do want to come and tell me something, there's no problem. They can come and say it to me and they can feel free saying it to me and don't have to, you know, look over their shoulder or be afraid. It's like leveling the playing field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's rare that you can work with a family member so closely and still maintain a great personal relationship. Yeah. So, how do you feel like you've balanced that? Yeah, it's so— It must be tough. It's so like, it's, how do you not bring your work home with you? Yeah. When, well, so we do bring work home with us. It's just because it's the whole family. So like my mom is waiting to hear what we have to say. My dad's waiting to hear what we have to say. They're waiting to give us their feedback and their advice. And, you know, Meyer and I had a very mature relationship from a young age. We're just two years apart and we always had a great relationship. I always trusted him. He always trusted me. I could tell you I trust him with my life. He's probably the only person I trust with my life. We always had a great relationship, even though we butt heads a lot, you know, and I can tell you there's many times where we just we curse each other out just to, you know, let it all out. But when push comes to shove, we just sit down together and we can think for hours, you know, on how to deal with a certain issue or how to approach a certain thing. But we made sure about one thing. When I first got Meyer involved, I told him we will never, ever act without the consent of the other. It must always be a unanimous decision. If you and I cannot agree on it, we can get mom and dad involved because they're experienced enough to know how to help us. And they're the only two people in the world who have our best interests at heart. And so sometimes it's it's hard. It is hard. But I mean, we have a great business relationship and we have a great personal relationship. But I can tell you that in the office, we're brother and sister. Right. It's like, it doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, we're brother and sister. Like, sometimes he'll just come up to me and just, like, bother me. And I'm just right. like, what are you doing? Right. Like, you know, but that's brothers and sisters, you, you know? You keep that alive. Yeah. yeah. It can't just be yeah, the best. Yeah. yeah. It's nice because you guys are equal. And I think you both have different skill sets yeah. that you've brought to the table that don't overlap. And I think that's where it can get tricky sometimes. Right. It's like he does, like, strictly the tech yeah. stuff and you're doing the designing. And there's a line that's drawn in the sand. So, yeah. But I mean, and definitely there's times where he has said, like, I need you to just take it easy a little bit with, let's say, uh, you know, the spending on goods or whatever. Like, you know, we need to just take it slow a little bit or we're we're trying to invest in this. So maybe let's not invest too much over there. And like, I always tell him, you know what, Mar, I trust you. I believe in you. I've seen what you've done. So, you know, his work speaks for itself. So I always, so that's why like, I'm not a tough person. I'm just like, you got it, you know? rarely do we have those kind of like, you know, issues where we're like arguing or whatever. But if we do, when we get home, we're best friends again. So it's very funny, you know, like we could fight in the office and then come home and best friends and we could fight at home and then come to the office and it's like nothing happened. Yeah. (laughs) On the spending investing note, you guys have done a lot of work in the Facebook advertisement, Instagram advertisement space. Can you speak a little bit to that journey and just maybe some successes and challenges that you've seen as a young brand advertising in those spaces? Yeah. So, I mean, when we first started with Instagram and Facebook or sponsored, we weren't spending on that. It was strictly our followers and we were gaining followers by, you know, giving 
our jewelry to bloggers and to different type of influencers. We were very into the influencer marketing. And crushed it in that world. Absolutely that was, crushed it. That was, that That's was how the I whole, found you guys. Yes, that was the whole point. When we first thought about how we were going to brand ourselves, our biggest issue was that we didn't have enough capital. And Mara said to me, we'll gift. We'll just, you know, start gifting. And we started to reach out to people. And then all of a sudden they were answering back. And I was like, Mara, like, this girl has a million followers. She's answering us back. And I mean, obviously there were many, many times where we gifted the jewelry, never got a story, never got a post, never, you know, heard back from them. And that was definitely very hard. And I said to Mara, you know, they're just taking advantage of us. We're young. You know, it's okay because the ones who do end up storing and posting, it was yielding results, you know. So I said to him, you have to lose some to gain some, you know. And at first it was very hard for me to gift the jewelry because I was like, I worked so hard on this. And then to just give it away and and you're not giving one piece, you know. I was like, if we're going to give, we're going to give right, lot, you know. Yeah. So it was very hard. It was hard. We were able to, you know, get there. And then Meyer started learning in school that you can pay for these type of ads and you know, Facebook would reach out to us and say, hey, this post is doing really well. Do you want to spend money and let it get seen by more people? And little by little, we started to do that until it became another great channel, you know, and another great way to really advertise and market like with our following. And then with that, you know, we were able to really maximize on on it all. Does Instagram perform the best for you? Definitely. Yeah. I'm so curious about Facebook, though, because I feel like some brands really see a lot of success with it. And some people just totally, it doesn't hit for them. Right. So I think, of course, you can spend millions of dollars. Literally on millions of dollars. Yeah. But if you don't have the right product, when you advertise something amazing, and like when we do these ads, we really put our all into the banner, into the picture, into, you know, the photo shoot. We don't just, you know, okay, no problem. This is good. Like, like we put perfection into everything and everything takes so, so long. Nothing is just, you know, comes like that. And so because we really give it our all, we see the best results. Because like, you know, when we finally send it in, I tell Mara, it couldn't have been better than this. So we know we did our best, like let Facebook speak for itself. And then, yeah, and then all of a sudden you start seeing, you know, really new customers, new followers. And yes, definitely Facebook, Instagram changed our algorithm. They have. Facebook has changed our algorithm recently. And of course, you see a difference. But usually for us, when we invest, we thank God we see a return. I've also seen you advertise on Snapchat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Are there, what other channels are you guys working so, on right now? So we're really, we were trying to test a bunch of different places. So like we did Tumblr, we did Snapchat, cool. obviously Instagram, Facebook, you know, just pretty much tap into all of those like social networking apps that people go on that you don't even realize sometimes if you're just scrolling through and all of a sudden you see Adina's Jewels, it's like, oh, that's cool. What me is this all brand? the time. Yeah. You do sponsored posts on Instagram and because I follow you, I think it's just me following you. It's, yeah, it's, it's like, great. yeah. So then we always said that once someone gives us that follow, it's like, okay, now we can build something here, you know? Um, and so that's really always the objective. Was Snapchat successful? I'm just curious because it is such it's such a weird platform to me now. I don't know the purpose anymore. So I feel like Snapchat turned very much into like a one-on-one. Like I'm just going to send the Snapchat to my best friend. Right. And like, oh, I'm taking this video real quickly and I'm sending it over to my custom or whatever. Yes, it was successful. It obviously wasn't like Instagram and Facebook. There's really right. no comparison. Right. But um, yeah, it did work. We gained followers and... That's great. Yeah. Especially because it's like not a lot of people are on right, there anymore. Right, Yeah. You yeah. know, like obviously things are shifting. But yeah, thank God that like yeah. thankfully like everything we've tried, like it's if it's not the best result, we'll switch it over to something else and we could take investment funds from here to there. 
at the end of the day, it's always pretty much the same thing. But it's good. It's important to be nimble. And I think that that's like the, one of the best attributes of you and your brother, especially because you are so young Mm -hmm. and being nimble is easy for you guys. It is. It's your creative vision. It's not like you have a backer and you have to, you know, report to them. Like you guys can switch on your feet overnight. And that's what we do. Yeah. We're like, we're day to day. We're totally, it's like, you know, and and that's the best thing because you don't have to answer to anyone. And that's why we really want to always keep it this way because because we're so fast, right? We're able to really pick up on major opportunities that other companies can't get to in time because they're still waiting to hear back from superiors, this, that, or whatever. Right. Mar and I are just like, you know what, this is a good idea. Let's do it. Done. The next day it's signed, it's it's over with. Right. And then like, okay, now we just wait to see the results. You were like one of the first people to sell directly via Instagram. Yes. Wild. How has that been for you? Because I do, I think so many people are curious about how selling via Instagram is going. So it's definitely, it's easier when people come to your site. So when you direct people to your site, it's definitely much better. But what it does is, and I love my customers, but I also feel bad because you're just on the fly and just like, oh, I have to get that. And then you're just checking out, you know, from there. One by one. Yeah. And it's done. Your experience is gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you didn't even, so like, it's great. But then I think also, because they're just buying it right away. Right. So it's a really quick sale. But it is also awesome when people come to the site and they're like, oh, I came onto the site because of this piece. But now I found four other pieces that I love and I'm getting them or I'm going to save up for them or, you know, it's great either way. It's just a little bit more robotic, I think. Yes, exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. But are you seeing success from it? Yes. Yeah, I figured. Pivoting from digital a little bit, you have a storm Brooklyn. Yes. That's not exactly. my baby. It is your baby. Yes. But it's not exactly in the most conventional place. Can you speak a little bit to the location? Yes. And just like the ethos behind the store. Okay. So that store was sort of where I started. I mean, obviously I started before that without a store and, you know, home to home and people coming to my house. But that was when I took my first real, you know, stand, like I have a store. You know, come find me, you know, but um, it's so funny to hear you say that because today people are like running away from brick and mortar and you're like this store to find me. I know. So it started off as like that was what it was going to be, just the store, you know, and obviously it's in the heart of Brooklyn where my community is, where they live. And so most of the time, you know, the majority of the customers that would walk in were fellow community members. But when people would, you know, coming in like touring New York, they would stop by. And like, I can't even tell you how many people I've met, you know, that I don't think I ever would have met in my life if it weren't for the store, right? you know? And yeah, people are running away from brick and mortar, but I'll tell you what, there's only so much you can, I mean, the internet is massive, right? But eventually it gets stagnant, you know? Totally. And there's only so much of your story you can tell without like the physical. Correct. And what I always learned from the beginning was people love the human interaction. Yes, at Mm -hmm. first, maybe they don't want it. They're like, oh, please don't come up to me. Don't talk to me. I'm just looking. Don't speak to me. But then once you start, you know, once you start a conversation with them and really get to know them, I know how to like tell them, you know what? I, I don't think this looks good on you. I think this will be better for you. This is more your style. And then people were just like, you know what? You're right. And then when you actually speak to people and you see, you know, their confidence here and their lack of confidence there, you know how to, and again, this goes back to my major in psychology. I was able to pick up on those subtle 
things that people would say or do or the way they would act. And then I would know exactly how to approach them. And I was always sensitive to other people, you know, because I felt like that was something so important that sometimes people say things and they don't realize how hurtful it is. And so when I was in the store, I was the only one working there. I always made sure to treat everyone, you know, perfectly and like, be like, you know what, I think this is good for you. And like, when you see a person, you sort of know their budget. And so like, I never wanted anyone to feel bad. And I'll be like, oh, this piece looks good. But if I know they can't afford it, I wouldn't do that, you know? And so I always was in line with them. And like, I'm able to read people really fast. And so like, I was one with them, you know, like we were the same thing and like we were equal and together. And that's how, and people loved it. And I can't tell you how many of my customers who like still have my number text me and are like, Adina, please, I need to come to the store. I'm going away and I need jewelry for six different looks. I need your help, you know? Or they would tell me, my daughters are coming in. Can you please take care of them? And like, I would go and- deeply personal. It's very personal. It's very personal. Right. So that's what I'm saying. You can always change your shirt or you can change your jacket, but- Jewelry, for the most part, it stays on. And even if you're wearing it for a month, it was on you for a full month. Every picture you took that month, the jewelry was in the picture, you know? It's so amazing. Jewelry is just like, I love it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And last year you signed a pretty insane deal with Nordstrom, right? Yes. Can you tell us as much as you possibly can about that? Yes. So basically we started off just online with them as like a test run. And then after they saw the reports. I'm pretty sure it like sold out, right? Yeah. I saw Dana right after and she was like, my Nordstrom collection sold out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was an article written about it and she said, she's like, I'm pretty sure it's going to sell out. And it did. Yeah. And so once the buyers got the report, they were really in shock and they were like, okay, let's do this, you know? And then we started showing them more pieces and they started picking more pieces. And then, then they said, let's take you to stores. So now we're online and in stores and it's, it's been great. It's been great. Did you approach them initially? So they reached out to us. Okay. Yes. Always curious when it comes to that. Like if you're looking in the market and you're like, what feels most in line for us? Are you pitching or did they come to you? Yeah. So we really were not ready just yet to go into the wholesale market because we still were growing very quickly and very much on the site on our, you know, adinasjewels.com. But when they reached out to us, when we first got the email, I was like, this is impossible. Like, We were just about to go into September and I was like, this is like, we're still in the summer. I'm still in summer mode. We're still, you know, trying to catch up with all the hectic, like everything was so hectic and it was chaotic. And- Thank uh, God you did it. I know. I told Mara, I was like, but this is an opportunity and we can't pass, we can't let it pass, you know? It's funny because the buyer had found us on Instagram. Would you expand into more brick and mortar? Absolutely. I think that my first next- store so like my second store I would really want it to be in New York in the city yes okay like in the city like you know maybe Soho or you know something like that and then after that I want to be all over the world all over the world starting with Europe and going to Asia what do you feel in the past five years has been the biggest challenge of running a business as a 24 year old the biggest challenge like I said before Many people try to take advantage of us. People think that, you know, if you have 360,000 followers on Instagram that uh, we can charge you any price. We don't let that happen, you know, and I don't let people step on my toes. For me, my whole life, people stepped all over me. And I said, when it comes to this, this is the one thing I will not let you take advantage of. You know, this is this is my 
my baby. This is, yeah. you know, my everything. It's my life, you know? And so Meyer and I, we really learned how to build the proper team. And like, it took time, you know, it did take time. And there was a lot of trial and error, but, you know, the biggest challenge I would say we have is that we are still young and we don't have the experience that a 40-year-old businessman would have. Yeah. You know, I just turned 24, Mar just turned 22. How much experience can we possibly have? You know, and our business has only been around for five years. So if you think about it, it's not like I have so much experience on my back. And yep. so like when my parents tell us something and we're listening to them and, you know, we take their advice, it's not like actually experience going through the experience to know how to handle certain situations. And so I think the biggest challenge is sometimes we literally call up my mom and I'm like, mom, what should I do? Because, yeah. you know, so it's definitely, it's our age is, is, is a big a challenge. challenge. Yes. Yeah. It is. People will always question you, question yeah. your age. That makes you question yourself. Right. And at the end of the day, like it is such an insecure feeling when you're like, I don't have this experience. Yeah. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. I'm trying to make this grow. But like sometimes I'll be sitting in the office and one of the employees will come to me, you know, come into my office and say, you know, listen, I have a question. What should we do in this case? And I'm just like, I don't know. This is the first time it happened. <laughs> so I'm like, I tell them, I'm like, just give me like, let me think and I'll get back to you. Yeah. Like I can't give them an answer on the spot like that because. I like that. Don't act on impulse. Yeah, no. And, and yeah. that's, it's a very big thing that we can't act on impulse because, you know, everything has to be thought out and planned. And again, that goes hand in hand very much with our success, you know? Being nimble. Yeah, we yeah. have to be. I used to be so deeply insecure when I was 22 and I graduated school mm -hmm. and I had a great resume at the time and I was working a lot and I was in rooms that I definitely shouldn't have been in and it was very exciting and I was talking to one of my best friends at the time and I was like, it's so crazy. Like, I'm always the youngest person in the room. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I can't say anything and she looked at me and she was like, that's your superpower. Yeah. She was like, the fact that you're that age, like, People want that perspective. Yeah. People want to know what you have to say or else you wouldn't be there. Yeah. And so like I always tell Mara, I'm like, when yeah, we tell people they're up. our age yeah. and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's how old I am. Like, and yeah. then, and of course there's definitely a plus that comes with it, you know, but, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's hard. And then it's also good, you know, as with most things in life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> What's one tip that you have for someone who wants to start a brand today? So like I said before, the first thing I would tell them is you have to be confident in what you want to sell or what you want to show to the world. Because if you doubt yourself, everyone's going to doubt you too. Gonna, exactly. And so you have to be really confident in yourself. And when people doubted me and I showed them, you don't have to doubt me because I know exactly what I'm doing and exactly what I'm saying. People were like, okay, I respect you, you know? And so that's the first thing I would say. You have to be really um, confident in, even if you're not, Confident in you personally, you have to be confident in what your business will be. You know what I mean? I'm even taking advice from this. Keep going. Yeah. So that's the first thing. <laughs> Second thing I would say is you have to have the right people around you. I can't even tell you how detrimental it is if you don't have the right people around you to support you, to help you. I mean, you're going to sacrifice a lot when you want to open up a business and you need your friends to understand that. When I used to have to cancel on Saturday nights because I was up, you know, fulfilling orders or when it was Q4 and I had to stay in the office until two o'clock in the morning and I had to cancel plans on a Thursday night, you know, you need your friends to understand you. You need like, they need to be understanding of it, you know? And if, if you have friends who let's say don't understand that or family that doesn't understand that it's hard, you know, cause then it, you, it makes you feel bad and then you feel guilty and 
you don't want to ever feel guilty when you're running your own company, you know? You don't want outside forces bringing you down, even though they're going to, because... But it shouldn't come from the the closest people to you. Correct. The closest people to you should be your rocks, and they have to be there for you. Um, And lastly, you have to keep fighting and fighting and fighting until you get what you want. I never took no for an answer, and I will never take no for an answer, because anything is possible, and if you set your mind to it, it really doesn't matter how much money you have or where you are or who you are, you can make your wildest dreams come true. It's happened to me. People say, okay, maybe it's one in a million, but it's not. You can do it. It is hard sometimes, but if you keep pushing yourself and telling yourself, you know, I used to tell myself, Adina, you got it. You got it. No one's going to stop you. You're the best. You know, I used to look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Adina, it's you. Everyone loves you, you know, and like, that's just how I used to hype myself up, literally hype myself up so that I can get through the day. And that's how it went. And like, when you exude that confidence, everyone in the room feels it. And they're just like, I have no place to question what you're saying. Yeah, I agree with you. I could tell them the sky is purple and they're going to believe me. You know what I mean? Because you say it with such confidence and you're so sure of yourself, you're untouchable. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Friend of a Friend. Before you go, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at tiermedia.com. And for more behind the scenes of the show, visit us at friendofafriend.us and follow me at Liv Perez on Instagram. Don't forget the two Vs. See you next week.